Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Okay, everybody. This is a slightly different format. Um, I think I mentioned in uh, the last podcast I did on Sir Mark Sykes that um, I'm doing some stuff for my students at Kings Into High. If you're listening, guys, um, thanks very much. And also, if you're a student of history anywhere in the world, please tune in and use this um, as something that will help you. Um, so this is the Explaining History Study Extra, which is the uh, exciting and innovative title I've, I've chosen for this. Uh, and it's a bit of an experiment to begin with. Um, we're going to start off by looking at fascist Italy. And the way that I'm going to do things is talk a little bit about some of the context uh, of um, the, the topic and then dive into a couple of extracts from a book which will help to give you a greater depth and greater understanding um, of, of the historical context. So we're looking today at uh, Fascist Voices by Christopher Duggan, which um, I would strongly recommend if, the, if you're doing this topic this is a book you you um, you you should read. It's it's a, an amazing uh, it's an amazing documentary source. Um, so we're looking today at 
some of the, the reasons for um, the popularity of fascist ideas in the aftermath of the First World War. We're going to look at a guy called Carlo Cesare. And Carlo Cesare was a, an Italian soldier, <coughs> excuse me, who, ha- who went to war went, um, partly because he believed uh, and, and supported the idea of the First World War, of Italy entering the First World War. Partly because he thought that this would give a sense of national unity to Italy. Why did he think this? Well, Italy had finally been uh, formed uh, in 1870. Um, It had largely been unified in 1861. And Carlo Cesare was one of a generation of Italians who saw that Italy had been kind of politically unified. Um, There, you know, that uh, Italy's... um, uh, borders, um, you know, ran all the way around the Italian peninsula. But socially and culturally, Italy was very, very chaotic. People in Naples or people in Venetia did not see that they had much in common with people in, say, Sicily or Palermo um, or the Abruzzo. Um, Italy is a a country of big, big contrasts and huge contrasts in poverty and wealth. There were many commentators who believed that whilst um, Italy had been unified as a, as a nation, that Italians themselves hadn't come together as a people yet. Um, Mussolini, who during the First World War was a socialist journalist who began began to agitate for um, inter- Italy's entry into the war, believed, and this is a kind of a, a core fascist idea, believe that war and conflict and suffering and hardship and bloodshed um, and would be a shared phenomenon. The people on the front line and people in factories at home making munitions would fight and die for the nation and because they did this their mentality would change, their outlook, their beliefs, their ideas, their sense of being part of this bigger body called the nation this would sort of kind of almost mystically somehow be infused within them this is a very you know romantic idea i don't mean romantic in the sense of kind of valentine's day but romantic in in it's a a very kind of emotional um a kind of almost idealized notion of how the world works and what it is that makes nations um and of course, well, as we shall see, this this isn't what happens, and um, Italy doesn't become uh, unified in this manner. Um, and when the war ends, actually, Italy is far more disunified and disunited because, of course, wars place exceptional tensions on societies. Wars always ask people to sacrifice and they always ask people who are already poor to become poorer and they always ask the, um, uh, the those with the least to give to give the most in the interests of the nation. So what we're going to do now is we're going to dive into part of, the, uh, of Christopher Duggan's book. Hold on a moment. It was thus 
to a deeply divided and unsettled country that Carlo returned from the front in 1919. Emboldened by the success of the Bolshevik Revolution and by a rapidly deteriorating economic situation with manufacturers scaling down production from wartime levels, unemployment mounting and inflation soaring, socialist leaders um, urged Italian workers to militancy. Strikes, lockouts, factory occupations and riots became commonplace. At its Bologna Congress in October 1919, the Italian Socialist Party proclaimed the Russian Revolution to be the most auspicious event in the history of the proletariat and demanded that the instruments of oppression and exploitation of the rule of the bourgeoisie, states, communes and public administrations be replaced with, a new, with new proletarian organs. It called on, the followers, uh, on its followers to make use of violence, for the defence against the violence of the bourgeoisie, for the conquest of power, and for the consolidation of revolutionary gains. In the streets of major towns and cities, supporters of the socialists taunted officers in uniform as vile warmongers and capitalist lackeys, and even ejected them from trains and trams. As one returning officer, Emilio Lusu, himself of less left-wing inclinations, he was later to be a prominent anti-fascist, noted, it was a bizarre and politically damaging situation. In the large factories in particular, he said, the workers harboured the most passionate hostility to the war. They had not taken part in it, but they continued to oppose it, almost as if it was, uh, as if it was still to break out rather than being over. In practice, this hostility expressed itself in scorn for all those who'd fought, as if the last four years, uh, for the last four years, the latter had been on some wild spree. This attitude was shortly to contribute greatly to the workers losing the sympathy of veterans and serving soldiers. So, what can we see here? Well, we can see that um, this division in Italy. Um, had a, a huge part to play in the development of the first fascist squads. The first fascist squads um, had a large number of former soldiers in them and uh, many uh, young men who had been uh, unable to fight in the war, often the students um, and um, uh, those who um, had dreamt about the, the, the glory that the war would had uh, supposedly brought to Italy but had been unable to participate in and there was a, a sense that uh, the um, striking workers and the Socialist Party of Italy were unpatriotic and they when the uh, Paris Peace Conference happens and uh, Italy is rewarded with a kind of derisory offer um, compared to uh, Italian expectations of territory at, at the end of the war. There is a, um, a lot of the anger is directed at those unpatriotic types who had hamstrung the fighting soldiers. And here we see one of the, the kind of the, the core ideas of um, Italian fascism. Italian fascism is almost like a kind of like a basket of ideas. Um, some of them incoherent, some of them contradictory, but anti-socialism was at, at the heart of Italian fascism. And the reason why um, primarily is because it was seen as um, uh, the, the opposite of 
creating this idea of a national spirit. The returning soldiers, as far as they were concerned, when they saw striking workers, they said, well, this is this is socialism. This is a sort of a, a kind of a troublemaking that we, we don't fully understand. And if people know their place and know their uh, what they should be doing in the kind of the hierarchy of society, then these problems wouldn't exist. And um, there's a, well, a long tradition in Italy of um, you know hierarchical uh, rule. Um, if you were an Italian peasant uh, living in um, one of the poorer parts of Italy in the late 19th and early 20th centuries, uh, you knew all about that sort of that, that sort of way of life where the local landowner was if essentially the, the the king as far as you were concerned and uh, or the the absolute ruler of your your area and very often local landowners would rely on the uh, the, the the mafiosi in essence to deal with the problems of uh, peasants who went on strike wanting uh, higher wages and, and better conditions. So the idea of workers stepping out of line is um, a really kind of egregious concept that um, many, many uh, uh, middle-class Italians saw as um, unacceptable. They looked at the results, uh, the chaos at the end of the war and the, the two red years um, in the early 1920s and they also looked with dread at the Russian Revolution. Bear in mind that by 1919 um, the Russian Revolution is um, 18 months old and the the Russian Revolution has already be uh, begun a, a bloody civil war in Russia. The Tsar of Russia has been executed and there are uh, from Russia every day lurid and horrific news stories about what has happened to the middle classes, to the people of property in Russia. This is frightening stuff and there is uh, an expectation um, that, that it will spread across Europe. Um, by about 1920 the uh, the possibilities for um, uh, Lenin's revolution spreading are, are pretty minimal. But in 1919, it doesn't quite seem like that. It's actually quite scary stuff. So let's go back to the story of Carlo Cesare. Carlo was horrified by this situation. In October 1919, he was stationed in Milan and found himself abused by socialists who jeered at his uh, Bersaglieri uniform and hurled insults at the army and the state. On one occasion, he felt in serious danger and had to get fellow soldiers to come to his help. He was angry, angry at the socialists, but even more angry at the government, which seemed incapable of keeping order and defending the patriotic ide ideals for which he and so many others had fought. His frustration boiled over into the diary that he'd kept intermittently since the start of the war. What desperate disappointment, he wrote, thinking back to the situation in May 1915 with considerable disingenuousness. The great Italian family that intervened entirely united at the right moment in the Great War is today fragmented, horribly divided and horribly sick, feverish with a dangerous illness, anarchy. Even the women who cheered the returning troops a few months before were now in the, in the piazzas singing uh, Bandiera Rossa, or the Red Flag. 
I feel at sea. I cannot begin to understand how, as a result of these vile political ideas, people can hate each other so much that brother kills brother, when instead we ought all to all be united in restoring the nation, above all economically, and saving it from the disastrous consequences of the war. His hopes had been shattered. I believe in nothing any longer. He was almost ashamed to be Italian. Above all, he hated politics and politicians and confided in his diary an oath underlined, uh, underlining the words heavily. In the most solemn manner, I swear that I will never again concern myself with politics, that I will never belong to a party. My only political party, my only big ideal will be my family, my father, my mother, my brothers, and one day my children. Of course, he does return to politics. He returns to politics as a fascist. But in a way, um, what fascism offered was a kind of anti-politics. Someone like Mussolini uh, promised to be the, the unifying figure that uh, Cesare looked for. The person who said all political conflicts, all social conflicts, all struggles between rich and poor are over. And all there is, is the life of the nation and the obedience to the nation and to the, the national tribe of Italians. And this is very seductive. It's very, very attractive, particularly at a time of great social conflict. Um, and Mussolini offered uh, what many Italians imagined was a kind of an end to ideological struggles. If you have one simplistic idea of think, follow, obey, then the, the the great the great debates of how society should be ordered uh, can be kind of negated in some way. And this was in the way um, in uh, Nazi Germany. Later on, the, the philosopher Eric Fromm said that well, you know, one of the appeals of fascism is by 1933, many Germans were so so overwhelmed and confused by um, politics and economics and political ideas and ideologies and all these kinds of stuff they wanted the simplicity of order and this is what fascism offers okay so i hope that was useful and that's just a kind of a a quick dive into a personal perspective of a person who experienced these events at the time and made decisions based on the the kind of the environment and the historical context and the political and social context they were surrounded by and if we can sort of look through their eyes you know we obviously none of us here are um fascists or fascist supporters but if we can understand the mentality of those who are then it helps us to navigate the past Okay, hope this is useful and I'll be recording some more of these history extras, these uh, study extras pretty soon. Thanks, all the best, bye bye. Hold up, what was that? Boring, no flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. 